Welcome to ITB's Travel Hero Podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Lamp-Davies with management consultancy, A Bright Approach. We're very excited to share some very up-to-date research with you conducted by Skyscanner. And today I'm delighted to have Mike Ferguson, Director of Destination Marketing of Skyscanner with me. Mike, you are indeed our travel hero today. Welcome. Thank you, Charlotte. Let's dive straight in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and current role at Skyscanner? Sure. So firstly, thanks for having me today. Um, so my background, I took my first job in the travel industry in 1996. I worked for a, a tour operator in France um, and I worked in, in, in destination for five years. I then left, left the tourism industry and moved into online advertising where I worked with uh, a number of companies, Gannett Media, uh, Clear Channel Advertising, and um, uh, then I moved into Scottish television. Uh, so that took me up for about another 10 years or so. And then I combined the online world that I'd been most recently with travel from my previous life and joined Skyscanner in 2015. Fantastic. And um, online, uh, was that sort of, has that been part of your DNA for, for quite a while then? It has, yeah. Really since 2003, I think, was when I first moved into the online environment. Fantastic. Well, that brings us, that's a nice introduction. Thank you very much, Mike. That brings us very nicely onto the research, I would say. So I would like to understand what inspired Skyscanner to, to undertake this project and, and maybe what answers you were hoping for. Yeah, it's, it's a regular feature that we do. We, we, we do this research two, three, sometimes four times a year. Um, and I, I, in answer to your question, what do we hope to find out? We hope to find out what's going to happen next and what, what the trends are in the marketplace. So it's, it's a really open piece of research. Uh, and yeah, what we find out is, is, is what's, what's trending in the, in, in the world of travel. Fantastic. So let's get to it. We want to dive. We want to do a little bit of a deep dive today because we've got this special time with you. I know that the research, because I've had a little sneak peek, I know that it has highlighted many positive trends and that in some areas we're really back to where we were before the pandemic. Maybe tell us about the key findings. Uh, I think we should look at the booking patterns first because it's such a major part of the research. Um, yeah, I will let you start and uh, maybe I can uh, add a few more questions along the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you talked, you mentioned there about, you know, recovering to pre-pandemic levels. With, with Skyscanner's headline figure, we are now back at pre-pandemic levels. Uh, we're, we're, we're in fact ahead of where we were in 2019 from a, a monthly active user perspective with over 100 million. So that's fantastic. That's a really positive sign for the, for the industry overall. Uh, you know, the, the two key findings, I think, from the report would, would be around um, Booking horizons, they, they are normalizing. They're going back up to what they were pre-pandemic. So particularly the, 90 day, the, the plus 90 day booking window for long haul, which is a, a real statement of confidence from, from the traveler's perspective, that travelers are now prepared to book longer haul and therefore more expensive itineraries further in advance. So that's, that, that's a really positive sign, I think, for everyone. Uh, the other key theme that we found from our research is the, the, the APAC destinations are the ones that are trending um, most, uh, you know, mostly at the moment. So, you know, regardless of which region you look at, and we can dive into the regions a little bit if you like, but overall, the, the, the story is travellers are looking, are looking east for, um, for, for their inspiration at the moment. So it means that the confidence levels are, are, are rising significantly because if, if you are to sort of make decisions that are way into the future, it means that the, the traveller is, is feeling more confident again about that. And as you say, long haul as well. Maybe have a look a little bit at that sort of booking window. How does that compare by haul type across the regions, if you can dive into that detail? 
Yeah. So um, if you look at um, if you look at EMEA as a, as a starting point, travellers are looking. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the booking horizons are, are are extending for both long and short haul. Um, Booking windows in EMEA are back to pretty much 2019 levels across across both. So that's a great sort of theme to see the normalisation of those of those windows. Um, and you know that, that so EMEA is pretty much back to pre-pandemic. In America, it's um, it's a similar theme. Um, 60 to 89 day windows are are increasing across all hall types. And um, and again, it's a, it's a, a, a really big eastern focus in terms of destination choices uh short haul bookings you know the fluctuations that we saw during during the pandemic are, are, are flattening out now and short haul bookings are, are back to sort of 2019 levels as well in america apac it's slightly different although the trend is 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 aligned to what we're seeing in, in america and emea um you know a number of the big markets in apac were slower to reopen so long haul booking windows are are, are slightly behind the other regions but the, the trend is the same you know we're seeing some positive trends back towards 2019 levels yes we are certainly also seeing china coming back uh, back up really really fast now uh, now that indeed uh, you know the, the borders have opened and it's getting easier for everybody to travel in that part of the world can you talk to us a little bit about domestic travel? Because we have obviously, partly because of the pandemic, we've, we've all turned to, to domestic travel a little bit more for a while, which is also why now that we can go a little bit further afield, I think we are we, we're ready to do that. But but how do the figures look, so booking figures look for domestic travel? Domestic travel, as you say, it was it was a key theme during the pandemic, uh, and, and that was by that was you know it, there was there was limited options. So domestic travel did see a, a, a significant spike during the pandemic, but right now all of the data we're seeing points to to a, a resurgence of the of the international travel, both long haul and short haul. But it's it's really it is all about international destinations at the moment. Um, you know, some of the top destinations in in um, from uh, an EMEA perspective would be the typical Spain, Italy, Greece. What you'll also find, though, is that everywhere, our search everywhere functionality, which is that inspiration piece, uh, that's a top three destination for EMEA. In APAC, there is some um, some uh, a tendency to travel within the region within APAC. So Japan, Thailand, South Korea would be some of the top destinations there. But again, that search everywhere functionality um, plays in there. That's a, that's the number ten most popular search destination. And within America, there is a bit of a domestic trend in America. Um, however, we're also seeing Brazil, Spain, search everywhere again, Mexico, UK, um, amongst the sort of top ten destinations for American travellers. I, th I think it's very, it's fascinating, and it's of course it's very, very um, positive for, for for our industry. Shall we move on and talk a little bit about the trending destinations? I'm always very excited to hear, you know, what's up and coming, and and where do people want to go? Um, so yeah, um, which destinations? according to your research are trending right now mike so globally the um the the the, the destinations that are trending across all regions would be as I mentioned earlier it's very much an eastern focus uh so japan vietnam thailand malaysia and taiwan are benefiting from the from from, from the, uh, the the desire to travel east china obviously as well china's probably bolstered by by a strong family and friends component because the borders were closed in china for for so long so globally um, that's the trends we're seeing. It's very much a, an APAC focus. Within EMEA, um, again, very much APAC-centric, although we are seeing Saudi Arabia um, and, um, and uh, Albania as, as two non-APAC uh, destinations that are, that are trending quite quickly. Looking at America, 
Again, an APAC, APAC centricity there, but there are a couple of bucket list destinations that are coming into the American, which is great to see. So that's, uh, that's Fiji and New Zealand, they're trending heavily. And there's also Morocco and Norway, which I think is due to an increased, um, increased uh, connectivity. Uh, so they're trending from an American perspective. Uh, as I mentioned in APAC, a lot of the destinations are within the region, um, but um, Austria and Hungary, Hungary are, are, are seeing a, a spike in demand as well from Asian travellers. What's the difference between a trending destination and a most popular? Yeah, trending destination, it's a good question. Trending destinations really refers to how a destination is, is um, performing, if you like, in terms of demand uh, based on the same period uh, this time last year. So what we're seeing with the trending destinations isn't necessarily our top destinations, but that does represent the destinations that are seeing the, the, the greatest increase in demand for Q1 um, or, or the data captured in Q1 over the next six months versus the same period in 2022. Top destination is, is a bit more linear. It's, it's literally those destinations that, that see the greatest demand in total. Can you tell us, did the research show, you know, how this differs across uh, regions? Yeah, very much so. Um, from, a, from a top destination perspective, um, you know, again, without trying to repeat myself, it is that same theme. There's a lot of Asia, Asian countries featuring in their top destinations. Um, but again, interestingly, I think the, the one thing that's a constant and it's it's a top 10 destination by um, in each of the three regions, and it's often a top three destination in many of the markets, that's that search everywhere piece, um, which is, you know, 41% of our travelers, they, they come to Skyscanner and they have made equipment to travel, they have budget, they have time, but they haven't decided where they want to go. And that's um, that's a key um, that's a key uh, offering that we have within our, our our DMO partnerships is the fact that we have this significant global audience who are motivated uh, to travel but haven't yet made those decisions. So you know, in APAC, it's number ten. In uh, in EMEA, I think it's the third most popular destination. Um, and as I say, in in most markets, it will be a top top three uh, destination. I find all of this very fascinating and I think it's very much also related, obviously it, it relates in some regards directly to, uh, uh, into the to the pandemic that we've just been through. Certainly no friends and family of mine who for a long time said that they were going to go to a certain destination or see a certain part of the world, they are doing it now. So it's kind of like now that the opportunity is there, they are, they are back out there. Revenge travel, somebody calls that. I just think it's like must have travel, that's maybe a nicer way to say it. But. Um, very importantly, what's the outlook for summer? What is the industry? Uh, what is the what, what has the industry got to look forward to? Uh, I think the short answer is quite a lot, Charlotte. You know, the, the outlook for summer is really, really positive. Um, Eighty-two percent of travellers that, that, that we surveyed recently are going to take at least the same number of trips as they did in 2022, and if not more. Um, so, forty-five percent of travellers are looking to take more international trips than they did in 2022, and only seven percent are looking to take less. So, as an overall high-level view of of how summer looks and how 2023 looks, and it, it, it's it's really, really positive. Um, diving a little bit deeper into some of the things that we, we found through the research is that people are going to spend more on travel as well. So they're going to travel at least the same. A lot of them are going to travel more. And 77% and of people across the world are going to, are going to spend more in, 20, sorry, 41% are going to spend more um, in 2023 than they did last year. Looking at a couple of specific markets, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, that's 57% and 53% um, respectively are going to spend more. So those markets are, are bouncing back particularly well. Europe is maybe slightly slightly slower. 37% of Germans and 31% of the UK population are going to be upping their budget. But across the board, it is at least the same, if not more. Um, so really, really positive. There is um, maybe one or two words of, not caution, but, you know, I guess acknowledging the fact that there are some pricing barriers or pricing um, uh, considerations in the market right now. 
people are going to look at a couple of things when choosing their destinations. So they're going to look at where their, de- where their currency is going to go further. 36% of our travelers are going to factor that into their planning and decision making. 32% won't spend as much in hotels. But you know, if you consider that the, the intention from our travelers is to travel more frequently in 2023 than 2022, it's perhaps logical that they're going to spend a little bit less on a hotel on a per night basis because they're going to be away for more nights in the year. And 32% of people won't spend as much in destination. But again, I think that ties back to the, the, the propensity to travel more frequently during 2023. So I guess that's some of the, some of the key findings. I'm wondering, I know that at Skyscanner, you do specifically work with the DMOs to help them understand sort of traveler behaviors. This is clearly linked to the research that you conduct on a regular basis. But can you maybe dive into that a little bit and tell us how these sort of partnerships come together? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned earlier on um, around how Skyscanner is increasingly a platform that is used by our travelers for um, for inspiration, not just for booking. So 41% of our travelers don't have a destination in mind that again th- that really is a key opportunity for our for our destination um, partners to, to to capitalize on um, so we have we have a, a whole host of relationships with them um, with destinations across the across the globe and you know the, the crux of our partnership is 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 talking to our travelers at different stages of the journey so whether it's inspiration we might use our social channels whether it's um whether it's you know the planning or the booking stage we have different messaging capabilities across the platform and across our offsite um channels as well where we'll partner with our dmo partners to to, to present their offering to our, to our travelers uh, there's, there's one particular campaign that i can um probably reference and just give you a little bit of detail on um it was um it was, it was a partnership with um, with uh, an Australian uh, STO. Um, they were keen to attract French travellers um, from a, on, a, on a working visa perspective. So we launched the campaign, as I mentioned to you, across all the different channels and all the different areas of the platform that we have. Um, and, uh, you know, right through from dreaming and booking, appropriate messaging across the way. Ultimately, uh, what we did was we drove traffic into a, into a landing page on Skyscanner, a bespoke landing page that had all of the detail that the, that the potential traveler might want to uh, might want to know about about working traveling in, in Australia. And we reached over 600,000 travelers. It was a huge uplift in, um, in, in flight bookings. It was 300% above the campaign's actual KPIs. So big, big success. But you know, ultimately, the primary metric of that campaign was was to increase working holiday visas, um, and applications uh, were over ten thousand by the start of June. So, just a really interesting um, and sort of specific use case of of Skyscanner's um, platform for for inspiring the traveller. Yeah, that's a that's a great example of a very strategic partnership that uh, that clearly delivered uh, for both for both parties. Um, why is it? Maybe to some it will be a very obvious answer, but let's go anyway. Why is it uh, important to use data to inform, you know, our strategies? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, historically, data would have been, I mean, data is useful for, for informing strategies because it tells you what's going to happen. Um, and historically, um, I guess historic data would have been the, would have been what would have been used predominantly. However, the historic data, because of the disruption of the pandemic, is, is far less uh, useful today than it has been in the past. So our forward-looking demand data is is really really useful because you know some of the things that I've shared with you today, Charlotte. We've talked about the the increase in booking windows. We've talked about the destinations that are trending that might not have historically trended. Um, so that forward-looking data really allows our partners to um, to understand what's going to happen next, what's likely to happen, and how best to capitalise on that. Indeed, and uh, and actually to capture the market exactly where where the market wants to wants to go and 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 where they're booking, of course. How is uh, maybe sort of as we come to to a close, how is Skyscanner 
uh, in your words, innovating for travelers and partners. If you can tell us a little bit about that, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be excited to hear it. Yeah, I mean, innovation is a, a key a key tenant for us. Um, from a traveler perspective, there's a, there's a number of things that we do. Um, I guess, you know, without trying to over-index on the, on the Search Everywhere functionality, it is such a popular tool. It was introduced, uh, I think, in about 2004, 2005. It was one of the very first features that was introduced on Skyscanner. Um, and we're continually reinvesting in that and making it making it easier for, for travelers to understand or to, to tap into that 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 um, inspiration stage, whether they want to look at more flexible dates, whether they want to look at more flexible destinations. Uh, so that's that's a that's a, a, an example of the innovation that we that we show there, really trying to supercharge the sort of search experience for them. From a from a partner's perspective, you know, there's a constant investment in the in the in the products that we offer our, our partners to to be able to communicate with our travelers. Um, but increasingly, we're talking about data and, and some of the data products. Again, specifically looking at the at the DMO spaces, um, data tools that will help us help help them to analyze uh, routes, um, destinations that are trending, um, and allow them to sort of optimize their their campaigns in real time as well. Which is uh, which is something that's, that's that's new to the platform. So innovations are it's a bit of a, a constant theme at Skyscanner. Yeah, that has uh, that has certainly also been my and always been my understanding of working with uh, with the company. So, um, thank you, Mike, uh, for the very very detailed insight. I think some fascinating uh, stuff and food for thought, as we say, positive and optimistic news for our sector. It's really more than we could have hoped for in this particular podcast. Um, also to say that we'll be publishing the report via social media and, of course, on ITB's website. So I have no doubt that many of you guys listening today will have a much closer look at this research paper and make good use of it. Maybe reach out to Mike directly if you have any questions. Um, It remains for me to say thank you for joining, Mike. You have been our travel hero today. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Please, before we come to a complete close, look out for our June podcast, where we will take a closer look at blended travel, or dare I say, workation. In any case, it's happening. So listen and learn what the experts have to say about this massive opportunity. Stay well and thanks for listening.